Kia ora nani sambula vanaka and welcome to Champions of the Pacific. I'm Tale Anderson. Hello, Oketa Wantok. I'm Vinnie Wiley. Today, a rising netball star wants to eliminate barriers for Māori and Pacifica players and we meet Nauru's first Olympian and former president. New Zealand netball representative and southern steel shooter Tiana Mitoro is eliminating barriers for Māori and Pacifica players in the sport. The 21-year-old of Cook Island Tahitian and Māori descent has created a new pathway, Te Ara Angitu, to create a comfortable space for Māori and Pacifica students, using netball as a vehicle and Kopapa Māori as the fuel to normalise te reo in netball and mainstream sport. She's aiming to bring out the best of up-and-coming players without the financial barrier. I've just always been like a really proud Cook Islander and Māori woman and especially when I go back home because I've um, Tarara, like I've coached a few teams there, like I've helped out with the local netball teams there and I've coached over there and it's a different experience to see that kids who don't have a ton or don't have the resources or don't have that same access to the kids here in New Zealand, it's nice to see that they're just so excited to have you there and because Rara is such a small place I think it's only 32 kilometers around the island maybe yeah it's only 32 k's around the island um everyone knows everyone so when I go back home they're just so excited to have me there and I think it's a really humbling experience especially when there are some like the courts there some of the courts just have potholes in them and um they're just uneven surfaces and things like that so it's quite nice to just be there and be able to give back and then it's a nice um that I still receive messages from other Cook Islanders and other Māori um people not just women also um you know men who are really into netball as well and um they'll just say really kind words to me um and even I think it's fair to acknowledge that it is that our entire netball community, there's a range of different characters and people who are involved in it. And um, I think it's just once you know that you're kind of impacting other people's lives, even though it's just chucking a ball around, it's quite, um, like I said, it's really very wholesome and um, a really nice feeling. So definitely my heritage plays a huge part in that. And um, I just love going back home and seeing how passionate the kids are about netball. And they're incredible. Like, they've got so much passion, and they're just such happy kids. Cook Islanders are happy people, and you can just... And they've got some insane talent over there. It's just a shame that they don't have um, that luxury that um, some of the kids here do, which is exactly why I've started different programs to cater to those sorts of things. So let's talk about those programs. That's the um, Te Ara Angitu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me, tell me, what is mm-hmm. that? What is it? It's so the name itself just translates to the pathway to success, um, and it was it's kind of been in the works for a little bit. And if it hasn't actually, you know, had I not, despite the fact that maybe I hadn't actually said I want this program to happen, it was more so that I was doing those things already back home in Wellington. So I was helping out with my local community, my Māori and Pacifica community, but I've done like fundraisers and things like that. And I've given, it's small things, you know, like giving away gear and shoes and those sorts of things. Um, And I remember mum used to help out with 
some teams in Fiji and she would ask if I had netball shoes that I hadn't used or anything or just untouched kit and I would just give that to her that she could have taken that she can take over um but the whole purpose of it really is just to give them the same opportunity as any other mainstream school or kids because I think when I look at the from a promotional side of you um point of view we're heavily involved with like I said mainstream schools and I feel like there's a lot of work that we could do and we could put in a lot more effort to help to interacting with Kuda. I think I've only I've been playing ANZ for maybe five years I've only interacted with a Kuda maybe twice which is quite it's a bit sad and I think it's quite nice that there's kind of that it's been normalized now how netball I mean well not even netball just sport in general can drive revitalization of our language you know so but my biggest thing was that I wanted them to get the same experience, the same, I guess, treatment. So they've got a bit of Puma kit coming next week for my kids and they've got, um, it's all free. So I didn't want there to be like that financial barrier that they couldn't afford to participate or anything like that. But in relation to netball, like I know so many talented kids who just couldn't go on trips or something because they couldn't afford it. And it's hard when most of our programs are fully funded and things like that, but there are so many other alternative ways that kids can get scouted or seen by selectors. And yet they say may not have been able to go because they couldn't afford to go on rep tournament or something like that. So that's exactly why I made it. Um, But it's solely about the kids. Like it's, I'm just there to contribute in a way that I feel like they're getting something out of it. And there's always breakfast. So the breakfast is always free. I feel like I've, and I guess growing up the I've had kids and friends who haven't had amazing food at school. So the nutrition part of things was really important that they got good quality food and, and again, good, um, decent gear and not just secondhand scraps, if that makes sense. But yeah, that's kind of it all in a nutshell. It's just skills and whatnot. But it's going really good. Going how, really how well. How many kids are there and where are they from? Are they from one kura or are they from different? So at the moment, because it's just kind of starting off, we've had a couple, like it's roughly 30. So I think maybe 27 at least, which we capped it at 30 so that we could have some people actually come along. <laughs> um, so one of them is a coach and then there's maybe like 26, 27. Um, but we haven't started that could a piece yet because I wanted to kind of put, get a feel around how many people are actually interested and the spots filled like that, which is quite good. So my next piece is to come down to the Kurakopapa here and Swaiponamu and in the cargo and interact with them. Same thing applies, um, kind of diminishing that financial barrier and then giving them, you know, the kit and the um, food and all that sort of stuff. So those are probably two of the most important pieces to it considering it's quite influential and like a common trend within I think Māori communities you know so quality food and all that sort of stuff. That was Tiana Metoro who has just recently moved to the Southern Steel from the Pulse um, ANZ Premiership netball team and she's settling in very well so great to hear that she's um, continuing to inspire Māori and Pacifica players down there. Nauru's first Olympian has gone from lifting power to wielding power. Marcus Stephen burst onto the weightlifting scene at the 1990 Commonwealth Games in Auckland and became the first Olympian to represent Nauru at the 1996 Summer Games in Atlanta. But in the latest in our series, speaking with some of the Pacific's first Olympians in the lead-up to Tokyo, 
The current Speaker of Nauru's Parliament tells us he actually made his Olympic debut four years earlier. What actually happened was, um, well, the government of Nauru wanted me to participate at the 92 Barcelona Games. Um, little did they know that we have to be a member first. So once they found out, we made arrangements um, through our leaders, our president and the prime minister from Samoa to see if they can help me out and make sure I participate at the Olympic Games, considering the uh, standard that I was in. And from there, everything worked out well, where the Samoan government gave me uh, a passport to compete for them. Do you still have that passport? Yes, I still have that passport. It's expired, but I still have it. I can renew it, I guess, if I wanted to. So I'm, I'm basically a dual citizen now. What was it like to represent Samoa? Because, you know, you are Nauru and it was, a, I guess, a weird situation. But uh, how do you remember that experience of your first Olympic Games? Because I guess you had great success in Auckland, but this is obviously another level again. Yeah, the Olympic Games is another level, uh, for sure. Um, I guess um, the way I, I attacked it was I was looking at um, just performing and see how I go at the world stage. And, and that's, that's how I tackled it you know, whether I represented Samoa or Nauru, you find that for the Pacific Islanders, we all barrack and cheer for each other. So we're all Pacific Islanders uh, um, when we go to those big games. What did the other Samoan athletes think about it? How did they treat you? Oh, very good. I knew most of their lifters who, who qualified. So we shared the same room. I would never forget, we had a visitor from one of the New Zealand boxer. In, in, in back in 92, and his name was David Tua. And he was staying with us, with the Samoans, um, because he knew all the Samoans. It just goes back on that thinking, you know, once once you're an islander, it's an islander. And history has shown that David Tua became huge in boxing, and became a world champion uh, in boxing. And um, when I saw him back then, uh, and he was representing New Zealand, little did we know that he would be a very big um, person in boxing. And then, Marcus, of course, fast forward four years, Atlanta 96, finally you get the opportunity to represent Nauru on the Olympic stage. Um, your second Olympics, but your first to represent your country. Um, talk me through that, the memories of that experience. Representing your own country, you know, is a very proud moment, especially it's it's a very first one. And also to be the flag bearer, it was it was a special moment for me. It is a, a big difference representing Samoa. Having said that, I'm very grateful for Samoa for giving me that opportunity back in Barcelona. But yeah, it was a, a really, really special moment for me. And obviously you had great success at the Commonwealth Games in terms of medals, but the Olympics was a step up. Um, how do you reflect on your performances at the Olympic Games and, and what memories do you have of them? thought I could have done a bit better, but some things uh, just not under your control. I just had a, a bit of bad luck with the very serious injury, especially in, um, in Atlanta. Um, it's the only time I didn't score any total, um, and, and we call it the bomb out in, in weightlifting. It's the only time in my career, and it was our very first Olympic Games, so it was a huge um, disappointment for me. But, you know, going back and think about it, there was not much I could do when you have a very serious injury and, and you just train through it you know with all the pains and everything 
you, of course, uh, did your high schooling in Melbourne. Uh, did they ever try and lure you over to the green and gold? There was there was an offer, but the blue and gold was a bit <laughs> uh, was a bit stronger. Um, you know, I'm I'm an island boy. Uh, I was lucky that the government gave me a scholarship, fully funded, to go to high school, and then I went to the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology after I finished my high school. So there was no need for me, really. I was looked after well by my government and um, I was quite happy just to represent Nauru and compete. Of course, you're also very much involved in politics on Nauru. Is, is that something that you fell into? Was that something you always thought was of interest? Um, how did you find yourself in Parliament? No, um, nothing was planned to be a politician. Just that um, my, my father was a politician for two decades, and um, it, it was just the timing, I guess. Families wanted me to continue that legacy. Um, so I took it on and um, I'm still here after almost, I'll be doing something like 16 years now as a member of parliament and, and held various um, portfolios in between. That's a challenge in itself, but you know, I, I love it. Um, you know, when you, when you do good things to your community and, and your people, it's, it's, it's a really good feeling. What's harder, getting legislation through the house or uh, trying to lift hundreds of kilograms? <laughs> it depends, it depends. Um, politics and sports are you know, a bit different. In, in sports, you control your own destiny, but in politics, it's more numbers and, and a group uh, game. So uh, you do a bit of lobbying here and there. It's a different game, if you like to call it. Yeah, and I suppose, um, you know, as a minister, as a member of parliament, as president of Nauru, you, you obviously have a huge role there in shaping policy and direction of the government. But now in your role as the speaker, uh, a bit more diplomacy, I guess, is required. You are there to sort of keep everybody else in order. Yeah, I think the speaker is much easier. <laughs> All you have to do is just make sure that your house is in order and you keep, you keep the members um, under control and make sure that the sitting goes well and smoothly yeah I'm, I'm i'm really enjoying my role as a speaker it's good because um we we have a lot of young mps as well and they come and ask for guidance and it's good to pass on your knowledge and experience to them make sure that they do the right thing and you keep to standards and so forth um so uh, I, I have a role not only as speaker but also with the younger um, mps to show them the ropes and do things properly if you want to hear more from champions of the Pacific like Tiana Maturo and Marcus Stephen, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz and click on the Pacific tab, or we broadcast into the region on RNZ Pacific and RNZ National. You can also download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Be sure to tune in next week. Ka kite. Look at you.